I'm just looking at this food that I have in front of me. And I just am so unhappy. This is the... Even though I'm laughing. This is the... uh, We have done it. We have made the meals that you suggested to us by way of Pack and Save's AI meal generator. You may hear my voice quavering slightly, trembling. (laughs) You may think to yourself, is that fear? Is that terror in his voice? Yes, it is. Um, Because this has been variously described by my colleagues here as uh, like something I've thrown up, like something a cat has thrown up. (laughs) Someone, somewhere, something has thrown up. We're going to be tasting these later in the show, but uh, without further ado, let's get to said show. Kia ora, this is Newsable, I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. Here's some news, food's expensive. Yeah, you knew that already, sure, but we'll be finding out when it might come down on cost. So the four children lost in the Amazon for 40 days begin speaking about their ordeal, how they survived, and the role a rescue dog played. We'll have a look at whether salt, yes, salt, could be the answer to powering cars of the future. And as we mentioned, we will be testing these delectable AI recipes. We shall. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. I feel like every time I go to the supermarket, I'm spending roughly 20 bucks more than what I spent last time. And granted, I'm not always buying exactly the same things, right? But I'm usually buying the same number of things, so six to seven items. But every time I go to the till, that bill just keeps on creeping up. Well, uh, the good news, Imogen, is you're not going crazy because uh, the the bad news (laughs) is that the latest food price index numbers are out and we are paying 12.1% more today for food than we were this time last year. 12.1%. That is quite a lot. So here to talk us through and sift through, there we go, food pun there, these mm-hmm. latest figures, is Gareth Kennan from Infometrics. Kia ora, Gareth. G'day. Why is everything going up? Well, look, I mean, it's sort of a uh, legacy of the pandemic, really, where we've had uh, just a whole lot of stuff t- come together at once, which has put, pushed up prices, um, international shipping costs, higher oil prices. You've had the war in Ukraine, which has uh, particularly affected some of the food production internationally as well. And then, of course, within New Zealand, we've had labour shortages um, uh, are coming through as well. So you put all of that together and um, we've seen the price of everything going up, more latterly, of course, food. And of course, that's really punching into people's uh, budgets at the moment. Talk us through some of the worst offenders. Which foods are, are, the, are the most, are more expensive yeah, look, it's across the board, but um, I mean, the biggest rises over the last year have been for fruit and vegetables produce, um, and that does reflect some of the stuff we've had, of course, bad weather events earlier in the year, which have uh, impacted uh, production through much of the North Island in terms of some of those um, uh, products coming through. Uh, we also know, though, uh, coming through into sort of farm expenses, you've got more expensive fuel, more expensive fertiliser. I mean, the costs there are up 40-odd percent on where they were a year ago. And like every other uh, person who owns property, farmers are also paying higher interest rates as well as they rise. So there's been some real big pressures come through there, and that's taken a little bit of time to come through the system, but now really showing through in terms of some of those prices. Is this why chippies are so expensive? 
Yeah, I mean, that's got to be part of the issue as well there, doesn't it, with, uh, you know, Pukekohe and and the rest of Auckland in January and, and the floods coming through there, potato, onion production. So, yeah, those chips getting hit by that, as well as higher higher labour costs and, and other production costs as well. Are there any silver linings here whatsoever? I struggle to think of what they might be, but I will ask you because you know more than I do. Look, the latest couple of months, the sort of rate of increase month on month has just started slow. We have seen some of those fruit and vegetable prices coming back from the post cyclone spike. Um, They've eased back a little bit. So there's stuff coming through there and certainly some of the other forward indicators we look at in terms of international food prices, um, they have just shown shown signs of plateauing as well. And so just a little less pressure coming through in terms of how much supermarkets are paying for product and we'd expect that to um, sort of those rate of increases to slow over the next few months as well. Not quite coming through in the food prices we pay yet, but it does look like we're through the worst of it. So how long will this last? Look, you're probably uh, talking through the rest of this year with with price inflation remaining at above average levels um, and possibly through into the first half of 2024 as well. So it's not going to dissipate quickly. There might be some areas where those prices do uh, level off or possibly even ease back a little bit more quickly. But gosh, the other thing you've got to think about is, is fuel prices. We know that um, the fuel excise duty and road user charges will be going back up at, at the end of this month. That could add another layer of cost to freighting everything around the country and food won't be immune to that either. Yeah, everything is interlinked. Let's pivot just quickly to GDP, Gareth, if that's all right. The latest figures are out uh, later today. Are we expecting to be formally in recession by lunchtime is the question that all the economists are arguing about. Yeah, that's right, and every economist will be offering you a different opinion at the moment. It'll be close to zero, uh, might be slightly positive, might be slightly negative. We think it'll be just staying out of negative territory, so avoiding a recession for now. But gosh, it feels like a recession, really, when we talk about some of those pressures that household budgets are under. Um, When you look at the fact that we've had very strong population growth and migration over the last uh, six months as the borders have reopened, and yet the economy is still struggling to grow, I mean, that is very symptomatic of a recession. Uh, Businesses... Uh, unwilling to invest, reluctant to hire, and government having to cut back on some of its spending as well. So it's a pretty stagnant economy at best at the moment. I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Is a recession or no recession, things are pretty bleak. You know, it's just a matter of whether you put a label on it or not, right? That's right. That's why I'm not too worried which side of zero yeah. it falls on, uh, falls down on, because um, it, it is a label after all, like you say. And and look after the good times of the last two or three years, where we've come through the pandemic with some very strong growth, and you know been largely sheltered from a lot of the initial effects of that. This is quite a, a, a sort of a sharp change in terms of the broader economic environment that we're now facing. Look, I've I've really loved having you on, Gareth, but I don't think I love the information you've been uh, dishing out. So we might end it there. How about that? We don't need any more. Um, We don't want to ask Gareth what he thinks about AI-generated recipes, which are sitting alongside us in the studio as we speak. Speaking of food prices, you know, there's a Speaking of food prices, yes, actually, the AI-generated recipe, because I had to go buy the ingredients, $33 for all the bits and bobs. Look at that, that, Gareth. That looks all right, doesn't it? It looks expensive. Um, either that or something the cat sort of threw up on the floor after it ate eaten too fast. And like, everyone's been so mean about my bloody... Yeah, no, you're right. Thanks, Gareth. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, we'll, we'll call you. Don't call us. We're starting to find out more details from the children who got lost in the Amazon for 40 days after a plane crash and survived. Honestly, people like to say this sounds like the plot of a movie, but this... 
the goat of all sounds like a plot of a movie. In fact, yeah. I'd be willing to bet money on the fact that there is already a movie script being written. Mm. Apart from the fact that the writers, I think, are still striking in the US. But anyway, this will be a movie. I'm sure of it. The children have started telling their story from their hospital beds. So, Emil, what do we know? Well, we know that the kids were on a plane and uh, there were three adults there as well, including their parents. Uh, And then it went down in the jungle in Colombia. Now, two of the adults were killed instantly on impact, but uh, the children said that their mother survived for about four days before uh, she also passed away. They were in the Amazon alone, four children, for 40 days. How on earth did they survive? Yeah, this is absolutely wild. Uh, They had a bottle that they used to collect water and uh, they were starving when they were found. They'd lived off fruits from the jungle and some flour as well that they uh, took from the plane. They hid in tree trunks to stay away from the snakes and the animals in the area. You know, obviously this part of the world is pretty dangerous natural predators perspective uh, and they also had a first aid kit and some supplies which were airdropped into the forest during the search how were they found i mean this is amazon we know how big the amazon is the amazon is big Pr- that pretty, is true pretty big. Amazon is, it's a it's a big place massive search effort and luck uh, really we got to say you know luck plays a huge part here there were hundreds of troops uh members of indigenous tribes and they absolutely combed the forest after the plane was found uh, they eventually found the kids in a small clearing uh, they had apparently been found also by a rescue dog some days earlier, but he also got lost in the forest oh, during a search. No. Yeah, it's so lucky that this happened. Honestly, it's like you say, it's it's like a movie. It's mind blowing the story of discovery and uh, determination in the face of adversity. Yeah. So what happens now? What's what's going on? Uh, the kids are in still uh, they're still in hospital, but they are showing signs of recovery. They say they want to get up and walk and play. But of course, you know, recovering from malnutrition and the the ongoing effects of this trauma, mental health wise, will take ages to heal. So a long road ahead. A happy story in a, in a way, I suppose. You know, it's 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 really sad that um, that that the kids' parents died and, and the other person who's on that plane. Uh, the story of survival, though, wow, absolutely unbelievable. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and was your, uh, is your mode of transport eco-friendly, would you say? It is indeed. Very much so. It's an electric scooter. Huh. And I know you've got an e-bike, so look at us both single-handedly saving the planet. I know. Well, give yourself a pat on the back. What about, what about a car, though? Do you want a car? Do you want a great big diesel gas guzzling... Automobile? No, no, not at all. We have an EV. But the latest worry is about the amount of battery waste we're soon going to have to deal with. Yes, that's right. um, There's research on this actually from the University of Technology in Sydney suggesting 30,000 tonnes of EV batteries will reach their 
end of life in Australia by as soon as 2030. But in just 20 years, that will blow out to, get this, 1.6 million tonnes. But help, fear not, may be at hand. A different type of battery altogether, salt batteries, or sodium to be more precise, could be just around the corner. Yeah. So to tell us more about this, we turned to Richard Briggs from ECA, the Energy Efficiency and Conservation Authority. Kia ora. Kia ora. What sorts of problems come with using lithium? An EV uses about six kilos of uh, battery or lithium in their battery. We know there's over a billion cars on the planet. So even if half of them were to become EVs, you're sort of looking in the order of three to four billion tons of lithium, um, which is a lot. Yeah, this is where sodium comes back or salt batteries. You know, these have been around for years, but but really they've lost favour. It's an inferior alternative to lithium and the development stalled, whereas the development of lithium has gone on and over the last 20 years has got to where it is. But now looking at the environmental impact is sodium is suddenly becoming flavour of the day again. It's significantly cheaper. Sodium is is extracted from seawater and it's also naturally available in the Earth's crust. Give you an idea, lithium, as I say, is about $25,000 to $30,000 a tonne. Sodium will be about $150 a tonne. Massive price difference. So 5 to 10% of the cost... Uh, so you can immediate so the massive opportunity for, for for price reduction. So what's holding sodium batteries back? It's not perfect. It, it's not there yet. You're not going to see these sodium batteries in your car or your scooter tomorrow. So today, sodium batteries probably have about a 30% reduction in energy density. Weight is really, really important. So sodium batteries exist today, but because of that energy density differential... They're bigger. And so they, you're not going to see them in the cars. I, I presume over the next 10 years, the technological developments will get them to where lithium is today, and that's going to be an option. So how could they be used? There are applications today. So grid energy storage. So, so where uh, yeah, the sun shines in the middle of the day, uh, electricity is extremely cheap. Uh, why don't you store it in a huge big battery and then when electricity is expensive or you need to cook at night, you can then start taking it from the battery. It's made of both chemistries so so that you'd have the, the benefits of lithium and also the savings of going with sodium. But I do think, uh, guys, that probably within 10 years' time, sodium will dominate in, in the light vehicle market. And what that will mean is that you could easily see the price of a car halving. Richard Briggs, once again, blowing our minds. Thank you very much. You're too kind. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week, we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture, and more. You'll also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. 
Now, we're, we're serious journalists, aren't we, Imogen? I, 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 I don't know if I want to be today. Well, sometimes journalism means going, going places that you'd rather not go. Getting outside your comfort zone. Getting outside your comfort zone, exactly. And, and you know, opening your mind to new experiences and, importantly, re- reporting what you learn faithfully and objectively. Today, I will be faithfully and objectively reporting to the public how this beetroot, carrot, celery, milk, yogurt, tomato sauce, and mint salad tastes. Go on. Here we go. Gonna get, I got all of my components there. Oh! <laughs> really? Are you taking the purse? Is it actually that bad? Okay, yeah, I was hamming it up a wee bit. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. It's not too bad? I suppose tea sauce, you know, tea sauce is a flavour, and so it's probably either A, overpowered it, or B, tastes fine because it's like... It would be okay without the tea sauce, I think. Bit more seasoning, maybe. But of course, remember, when you do the AI recipe generator, it uses every ingredient mm. you've given it, so it's not going to sift through and be like, that's unnecessary. It's going to say, oh, you want tomato sauce? Well, put tomato sauce in it. I'd probably sub out the tea sauce and the milk, maybe if it was a mayo. There's a number of different coloured olives in here. Wait, t- tell me how you constructed this, because there was like butter in the air. There and... was butter, so I had to get packet Alfredo, because you can't buy, because um, I made it at work, and you can't buy pasta to heat up in the microwave. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, this has got oat milk, butter, was called for in the Alfredo bit, but mm-hmm. oat milk was in my pack and save recipe, white mm-hmm. pepper. All right, here we go. <gasps> okay. She is not okay. The live narration of Imogen Wells covering her face with her hand. Uh, Okay, she's retching. When I tell you I hate olives, I I actually cannot. I can't imagine anyone enjoying that. She looks like she's about to cry. Taking a bite of my extremely buttered bread. Um, So, what's the story? What's the lesson that we learned from this? Uh, The Pack and Save AI recipe generator is functional in taking your ingredients and turning them into technically edible food. Technically edible. Whether or not that food is good um, <laughs> is another matter. And on that note, uh, that's newsable for today. I'm Emil Donovan. And I'm Imogen Wells. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a follow on your favourite podcast player and leave us a rating and review. It helps other listeners discover the show and we'd really, really appreciate it. You can also follow us on social media to stay up to date on new episodes and behind-the-scenes content such as the making of these recipes and uh, everything else that's newsable or newsable adjacent. You can find us on Insta and TikTok to search up Newsable NZ. I'm going to try a bite of the Alfredo without an olive. Nah. There you go. Tainted. Newsable. News that's worth talking about. If you liked it and reckon it's also worth supporting, please make a contribution at stuff.co.nz slash support. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about that gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. No, that, that, I think Chris, that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Actually, Nothing if in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.